0: Good morning, I'm Steph, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, we just wanted to take some intentional time to address the difficult season that we are finding our church to be in. Um, we've brought Trisha in to help walk alongside us through this time. Trisha is, I asked her how many years she had been a counselor, and she <laughs> said, too many. Like, So that tells you she has all of the things that we need. She's been doing this for a long time. Um, and I recently found out that in her time as a counselor, she actually saw a lot of pastoral staff come through her doors. And it was through her time with them that she began to develop the Leader's Journey, that's a book that she wrote along with Jim Harrington, her ministry, uh, ministry partner. And they also created Faith Walking, or what we call Emotionally Focused here. Um, so we're really thankful to have her and Jim walking alongside us as we, as we navigate this. It's been a privilege. Yeah, so thank you. Um, this morning we, we just wanna take some time to process together to evaluate where we're truly at as a community and just independently as individual people. And if you are new this morning, um, you're probably like, oh shoot, this is the weirdest thing to show off to this morning. But I just wanna welcome you in and let you know that when you see people walking through difficult seasons, you see who they truly are. And so if you're looking for a church family, a church community to be a part of, you are going to see who we truly are and how we handle conflict, how we handle difficult seasons this morning. And so just maybe take note of that. Anything else you'd like to share about this morning?
1: Yeah, I think we want to invite you into a conversation that's been going on all week. um, Different configurations of the vineyard and in particular a conversation that Steph and I have been having about How do you show up at a time like this? Because it really matters. Um, Not just how the staff and the special committee and the work that they are doing, but everyone in the community. Um, You know, the first instinct sometimes is either to run or to fight, right? Like those are the things that come naturally to us. But what we want to talk about is what does it look like to show up in ways that honor God? and in ways that have always been very important to this church community in ways that are emotionally and spiritually healthy and mature.
0: And so right now, the news about Michael could be hitting you in a number of ways. Michael's been our senior pastor for 25 years. He has served this community And for a lot of us, we have loved Michael, and we've benefited from his ministry. He has helped a lot of us experience God's love and the transforming work of Jesus in incredibly powerful ways, but, and, and, (laughs) we're trying to switch out the but to the and, and two things can be true at once. Michael is a human being, just like every single one of us, and we all fall short. And so we wanna be patient as we walk through this fact-finding process, and we want to continue to hold any and every allegation that has come forward um, very seriously. And so it's gonna be a tough time.
1: And so take a minute and just check in with yourself. Just Kind of check in with your own heart, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you feel in your body, um, John used the word earlier, heartbroken. And you might be feeling heartbroken this morning. You might be feeling angry or confused. Um, you, you might be really sad or really mad or both. You might be feeling a little numb. Um, that's our brain's way of kind of um, giving us some natural anesthesia when we walk through difficult emotional things. So you may be feeling kind of at a distance. Um, Or maybe for you, this doesn't really feel like a bad thing or it doesn't feel personal to you. And maybe you're just waiting to see what's going to happen. And all those things, all those feelings can happen at the same time, in the same moment. You said and, right? We can feel angry and sad. We can feel angry and patient. We can feel sad and hopeful. And so during this time, you know, the good news is that you don't have to judge what you feel. Just feel it. And you don't have to judge what other people feel. You can just make space for them to feel that. And right now, you may feel one way, and today, later today or tomorrow or next week, you may feel differently, and that's okay. Feel what you feel now, and when you feel differently, you can feel that. Um, The main thing is to know that whatever is going on for you, there's room here for your own experience. Um, So as you check in with yourselves, um, I want to check in with you. Um, How are you doing?
0: Yeah, so um, this has been tough for me personally. Um, Michael has been my pastor, he's been my mentor. Michael's the person that saw my leadership, he's the person that saw God's giftings in me and actually made room on staff so that I could be here. And so in that, like, I'm grieving, it's hard. But also, all of the allegations have stirred some things up for me Um, things from my past that I've had to walk through and navigate, things I hope to never have to re-look at and and it's been almost frustrating to have to go back to some things that I've tried to package up and put away. And so it's been a mixture of a lot of different things for me personally.
1: And I think that brings us to just kind of wanting to step aside for a minute and say something to um, anyone who may consider themselves a victim to speak to you directly to say that many of the people in this room are truly grieving they are feeling a great loss right now and understandably you may not feel that way at all and for some of you that are here today all of this conversation may bring up things for you that happened a long time ago that happened maybe before you were even part of this congregation or that happened in a different context and all that may be going on at the same time and we just want to say stay with us there's room for you in this conversation just stay with us as we go through this
0: and in a lot of our process we have continued to use the phrase victim centric and we're gonna keep doing that because we want survivors of abuse to know that we hear them, that we believe them, that we don't think it's their fault. And as somebody who works with students, Clint and I oversee our student ministries, we have continued to foster a sensitive conversation with students because we want them to know that if something difficult happens in their lives, if something happens to them, we want to walk with them towards healing. That's who we are as a community. And that's because we see that lived out in the life of Jesus, that's the gospel. Jesus moved towards people that were vulnerable, people that were wounded, and so that's what we're going to continue to do. But the victim-centric idea, it feels a little countercultural. It feels a little difficult, because I'd say most of us probably feel like, I wanna see people that have experienced abuse, experience healing and freedom, yes. And I love the Gatlins. And it is so hard to watch people that I love walk through something so difficult. And so I'd love for you, if you could, just share a little bit about how being victim centric is a little bit countercultural.
1: Now, this is probably a place to say that the idea of taking a victim centric posture is really new. We have millennia, centuries definitely in our own lifetime, what we see is that institutions circle the wagons to protect themselves. That is what happens, and it happens in almost every story. That's the way we know how to do things. And so for your congregation to say, we believe that Jesus um, is on the side of the vulnerable and the wounded, and that the care and safety of survivors must come first is countercultural. There's not a template for this, there's not a book you can go read. Um, I work with churches all over the place, and you can't just call someone and say, Hey, tell us about when you took a victim centric approach, because very few people have done this this way, in the way that the special committee and the um, senior leadership team and the staff are trying to do. And so it does feel countercultural. It does feel different from what we're used to. Um, So I would say that I would also say that um, when they decided to do that, they went into some uncharted territory. And when we talk about uncharted territory, Sometimes we're talking about what some of you may know as a liminal space. The liminal space is that space that we're all familiar with that you might call the messy middle. You might call it the in-between space, right? The whole idea is that we were there and we're going there, but we're not either there or there right now, right? The liminal space is after the first domino falls, but before the last domino falls, right? It's that in-between. It's the hallway, emotionally speaking, from one room to another. If you're thinking biblically, it's that space in the desert where we're not in Egypt, but we're also not in the promised land.
0: We know Exodus, right?
1: Yeah. And so it can feel like we're sitting in the waiting room outside the place where we really want to be. And so um, what we have to think about together, um, because we, we are not on the other side of any of this yet. So we have to talk about how, as the people of God, do we wait? So there was
0: a morning a few weeks ago, that I, what I actually I like to do is I walk the parking lot, maybe some of you have almost run me over a few times, um, but I walk the parking lot and I circle the building and I just pray, I just pray over our community, I pray over whatever's going on in my own life and that morning, I felt really angry and frustrated and as I was praying, I felt like God spoke to me and said, Steph, this is something you've prayed for. And he said, you didn't pray for crisis, and you didn't pray for abuse to happen, but you've prayed for change. You've prayed that discipleship would look different at the Duluth Vineyard. You prayed that people would know intimacy with Jesus in a way that absolutely changes their life and even impacts the twin ports. Like You've prayed for change, and I'm working. And when God said he was working, I got a picture of um, like an operating room. And God was in the operating room. He said, I'm working, and you are waiting. And I got a picture of myself sitting in the waiting room. I'm like, cool, we love waiting. He said, but I'm working while you're waiting. And while you're waiting, go to Romans 12, Romans 12:12. So you could look at the whole book of Romans 12, but, or the whole chapter, but here's what Romans 12 says. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud. Waiting is incredibly hard. And I felt like God gave some tools to use while we wait. And that's also why we brought Trisha here. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit about, about like, you're, you've worked with a lot of churches who have experienced a lot of different difficulties and crisis. What are some things that you would say to us and our community as we address this process of waiting?
1: Yeah, waiting is always hard. It just is. And yet, it's in that space of waiting that God does God's work. And this is where comes in. You may have heard it said that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but the opposite of faith is certainty. And we do not have certainty in the waiting spaces. We cannot have certainty right now. We have faith, which means that we trust what we can't see. And so what happens in the waiting room is that we want a resolution We want somebody to come in and tell us that it's okay and that it's over, right? We want the uncomfortable feeling that we have to go away. And so we may do a few things in the waiting room. One thing we may do is to just obsess over all the details And to go through just kind of, you know, well, well, what do you know and what do you know and let's put all that together and let's speculate and let's think about this and let's just kind of obsess about it. Because it, it, it makes us feel less helpless in our waiting to try to just get all the information that we can and to be frustrated when we can't. And then some of us may go to the other extreme where what we want to do to make that feeling of discomfort go away is that we just want to to pull back and say i'm i'm done with this part this part is over let's just move forward um that was the past this is the future we're just going to move on and i want to ask you not to do either of those things don't rush this this is an important way that god works don't rush Finding a new senior pastor immediately is not what's going to bring healing, okay? You don't have to rush here. You really are okay, and you can trust the work of God over time. So how do we respond in the liminal space, in the messy middle? One thing that um, I I was so glad when Steph said that God had given her Romans 12, because I I want to encourage you to go look at it. Many of my guiding principles for my own life come out of Romans 12. But what I was led to as I was preparing for this were two different passages. One passage is Micah Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. From the very beginning, the special committee has been focused on what does it look like for us to do justice. And as the crisis emerged and began to unfold, the decision was made to pursue justice for potential victims to center those who were vulnerable, and I heard this phrase, to to do what um, had already been decided to prioritize the sheep over the shepherds. That that's what justice would look like, a decision not to circle the wagons, or to keep secrets, or to sweep things under the rug, but a commitment to pursue a process that you are still just in the middle of, to discover as much truth as possible. And that is a painful process, but it's necessary. I want to name that this, I think, is also a prophetic work. I'm glad that this verse is found in the book of Micah because the prophets had a unique role. And I do not even want to presume to say anything to the vineyard about the work, uh, the prophetic work. I mean, you know this. But there is a kind of prophetic work that is beyond Just thus saith the Lord. There is a kind of work that the prophets do where they name a painful truth, often to power, on behalf of the vulnerable, where they as prophets can imagine a different future and call God's people into pursuing that future. And this was uncomfortable in Micah's day And it's uncomfortable in our day. The other place that I was led was Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. I want you to just listen carefully. As a prisoner for the Lord then, Paul says, um, Paul is in his own crisis. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So what does it mean to be humble in this liminal space? Part of being humble that you are called to embody right now is it takes humility to say, I don't know everything. Other people know things that I don't know. I can't know all the facts. Some things are unknowable, and some things can't be shared. And in a culture where we want to know things and we want to know all the things, that takes a humble posture that we are often not familiar with. Something
0: that you had said in, <clears throat> like the last time that you visited that has really helped me was uh, Tricia encouraged me to show up present in the room, but open-handed without knowing the future, and like that is it's very hard to do that, but it's also kind of freeing as yeah. well to say, you know what? it's okay that I don't know, but I can still be present in the current moment and with the people that I'm sitting with
1: yeah and and there are a couple things that uh, to to say what we said a minute ago, there are a couple ways we can be prideful instead of open-handed, right? One way is, like we were saying a minute ago, to say, I personally need to know everything, and I will weigh everybody's story once I've heard from everybody, and I will decide what's right or wrong, and then I'll go with that. And that makes sense that that's what we would want to do. The other thing that we can do that also has an element of pride and not open-handedness is, that, is the idea of saying, okay, it's over now and let's just move on, right? Because it takes humility to say, I know how I see everything that is happening, but I am willing to enter into the experience of other people. How do they see this? What does it look like for someone who has had different experiences than I have in life to see what's going on here? What do they see that I don't have? And to take myself out of the center of the universe. You know, we all kind of see ourselves as the main character in the story. Never. (laughs) And everyone else is a character in our story. And humility says that we're willing to shift that. Let God be the main character in the story and enter into the experiences of other people. Paul also says here to be completely gentle. And I want to address that because being gentle is why we can't say everything there is to say publicly because people are working hard to be gentle with other people's stories to be gentle with the stories that some people may never have imagined that they would ever tell anyone. And it is not gentle to kind of throw vulnerable people into the arena. And so there's a sense of gentleness in the way that the special committee has decided to let the facts come out, to pursue the truth. We also need to be gentle with ourselves because many of us have never been down this road before. I want to encourage you to be very gentle with the church staff because they are going through a hard time. And be gentle with your special committee because um, they are facing decisions that are difficult on a level that is sometimes hard to imagine. And they've never done this before either. And we'll, we'll say a little more about this later, but be gentle with the Gatlands as well. This is a time for gentleness. I want to say that it's so easy for us to enter into judgment. And compassion is never a mistake. It is never wrong to offer compassion. Now, where it has sometimes gotten us in trouble is when we think, oh, well, if I have compassion, then there can't be accountability. But compassion and accountability can live in the same space. And that's what those who are working on this are really trying to find, how compassion and accountability can work together. But it is never wrong to to lean in the direction of compassion for all involved. At the end of this verse, Paul tells us, bear with one another in love. Bearing with one another is not the same as forgiving. Forgiving is a different work. Bearing with one another literally means to put up with each other. And Paul says this in several places in his writings, where he asks God's people to bear with each other. I, I think because he knew he was writing to churches. He knew that that was something that they needed to hear. And so, bearing with each other means remembering that we are all human and that we all make mistakes, including very serious ones. And it doesn't mean that there isn't accountability. There has to be accountability. But it does mean that we don't demonize each other, that we don't make each other out to be worse than they are. It means that we don't gossip. It means that we, don't be, that we don't pretend to be above it all. It means that we don't judge each other harshly. So bear with each other, and bear with people who see this differently from you, and bear with the Gatlin family. One of the things that has touched me in this time is that I have never heard anyone say, people have to choose if you are friends with the gatlins keep that friendship alive if you have prayed for them keep praying for them if you have walked with them keep walking with them if you pray with them offer yourself to pray with them if you just have a friendship where you hang out it's probably more important now than ever So what often happens is that things get intense, and we don't know exactly what to do, so we just drop the ball. And I want to encourage you not to do that. Hold the tension. There's a lot of complexity here, and there's a lot of stuff to hold in tension. But at the same time, um, bear with the Gatlins, bear with the leaders of the church, and if you are in contact with victims, bear with them during this very difficult time for them.
0: So good, she doesn't even need my help. <laughs> so good. Thank you so much for all of that. <clears throat> so we also want to talk about um, how to care for ourselves and to continue to care for our community. And one of the ways that we can do that is through prayer. Back to the passage in Romans, it says, be faithful in prayer. We need so much prayer right now. And if this is maybe not impacting you, like you feel like you're maybe a little bit removed from the situation or you're newer to our community, you have an advantage to praying for us you have a unique advantage where you're not being hit as hard by the anxiety of the things that are going on and so we just want to invite you into just a time of prayer for all of us you can be praying for our special committee you can be praying for our council our staff our leaders there are so many ways that you can come alongside us in prayer and then we also have um the core part of our church the core part of um just who we are as the Vineyard is our leadership community. We have an amazing leadership community, and a lot of them are willing to do some one-on-one, just like meeting up with people as you're trying to process this. Some of them have um, past experience as a counselor, and they want to help connect people to resources as needed. So that's another way that you can continue to care for yourself. And then, We also wanna say that if there are any victims of the allegations that have come forward from Jackson, we have made a way to allow them to receive counseling from outside of our building, but by using our insurance because we want to continue to help people move towards healing and hope in whatever way that we can. And then as a community, we've used emotionally focused, the faith walking tools for a long time. And so right now, like this is the moment we're using those, those tools is going to really help direct and lead us. And we actually, we're doing, we're gonna have emotionally focused here in a, a little bit, but another way is uh, to continue to lean into community. Like we need each other. We need to be around each other. We need to do life with each other and that's why we do small groups. Small groups personally have impacted um, why I come to church here. Like small groups have changed my relationship with Jesus because I had people to lean on in difficult seasons. And so we just started a new batch of small groups. We're about three weeks in. It's not too late to jump in. And in these small groups, we have heard of stories about people opening up about things in their lives that they've never talked about before. There are people sharing things that they said that they would take to their grave and they're experiencing healing and hope in ways they never thought was available. Like there's stuff happening within our community. God's kingdom is still coming because that's who we are. And now you might not feel joyful, but we do have hope because Jesus built this church. This church belongs to Jesus. And right now what we're experiencing is that, the fact that God is reshaping our community. He's reshaping our community and we're feeling the discomfort, the pains of that. But there is something incredibly beautiful about the Duluth Vineyard community. I have been in meetings, I've been in a lot of meetings, let me tell you. But I've been in meetings where I've, had, I've gotten to step back. And see the people in our community rally around each other and pray for each other and encourage one another. And I've just been blown away. I'm like, that is the community I will sign myself up for every day of the week. Because that's the kind of community that reflects the heart of God. And there was a season of my life where um, I was a part of the Duluth Vineyard community. And I ended up leaving to take a job in the cities for my husband and In that time, I was like, oh, it's fine. We'll just find a new church. You guys, there is something uniquely special about the Duluth Vineyard Church. There is something very special here that God is doing that is not something that you can easily find anywhere else. It took, I was invited to a small group when I was living out, not in Duluth, and I was just desperate to find the community that I have experienced here, And I ended up getting attacked by someone's dog and I left crying and I was like, this doesn't exist everywhere. I'm gonna have to create the very thing that I know can exist and then long story short, we moved back and I'm thankful to be a part of this community because there is something that God is doing here in the Duluth Vineyard that is very, very special. And so how we respond to the things that are happening how we respond to the anxiety, the difficulty, the crisis, it's going to change our culture. The things that we put on the calendar are going to be where we are going, it's it's who we are becoming. But it's not gonna change the core of who we are, which is centered on Jesus. When I talk about the things that we put on the calendar, we had a calendar planning meeting, and we're like, the things that we pick dictate where our culture is going. And so we, put em- we are working on putting Emotionally Focused on the calendar for May, and we feel like our staff is kind of at capacity with some things, and so we've reached out to other Vineyard people to bring them in. And so, hey, if you've thought about doing Emotionally Focused, we might be bringing out the guru of Emotionally Focused. You're going to want to do that one. But we also continue to plan out the women's conference not because we have something to prove, but because God does incredible work when we gather together as women at the women's conference every single time. Another thing that we put on the calendar was our youth conference. Our youth conference, we had a lot of people be like, just cancel the youth conference, it's going to be fine, like you've got too much on your plate. And we said, no, we're going to do it. Again, not because we have something to prove, but because God shows up. God shows up and does incredible work and this youth conference was one of the most impactful youth conferences I think we've had this far. We've been doing this conference for years. We had 130 people show up for this youth conference. And at one point, the ministry time was actually flipped backwards where students were praying for the leaders It was so incredible. At this youth conference, we've never had this before, there was so much diversity in the room, we had to bring in a translator so that our Spanish-speaking students could hear the message. God is still working. We are kingdom people and God's kingdom is still coming. And so we have to continue to press forward and center ourselves on Jesus, because that is who we are. And so this morning, we're going to begin to transition to ministry time. And that's what we're doing. We're centering ourselves on Jesus. We're engaging with his presence so that he can transform who we are as he continues to lead us through a difficult season of our church. So I'm going to welcome you to stand up. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up. And when, when I say the presence of God transforms us, like I mean that. That is something you see throughout scripture. I actually had a dream the other night that I had to preach unexpectedly at a, like a conference and I was in my pajamas and I came on stage and I knew exactly what I was gonna preach about. It's about how God's presence transforms our lives. And so when we do ministry time, that's what we're doing. We're making ourselves aware of God's presence with us in this very moment, so that he can meet us and begin to work on who we are. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start praying for us and just invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet us. You can make yourself comfortable in any way. If you wanna hold your hands out, if you wanna close your eyes, if you wanna stand up, if you wanna sit down, do whatever feels most comfortable for you. And so, Jesus, I just invite you to make us aware of your presence. Holy Spirit, would you come? And I know, Jesus, there are so many of us that feel so weary. We're tired. Like, how are there so many layers to this? It's exhausting. Would you begin to refresh us? Would you begin to meet us? And for others of us, we're grieving loss. We're grieving the loss of a pastor, a friend, a mentor. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and be our comforter? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would supernaturally not allow us to brush past the emotions that are uncomfortable that we want to set aside, but that you would help us stay present to how we're truly feeling in this moment so that you can bring real healing to our hearts and our lives. And I think for others of us, we are struggling with why we even do church. Why does organized church even exist? Does it even work? Holy Spirit, would you speak truth about your church? Would you speak truth about the gospel and why we gather together? Recenter our mind and our hearts on, on the hope of the church. And then, Jesus, we pray for victims. If there are any victims in this, we hope, we pray, and we declare freedom in their lives. And if this is stirring up things for other people that they've experienced trauma in their life, Jesus, would you bring them real healing? Not just temporary healing, not just a band-aid. Would you bring your kingdom and your healing work in the lives of people that are walking through difficulty that is in the past that you want to rework through today? Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, would you continue to come? I'm gonna invite um, our prayer ministry team forward. If you are trained to pray, I'd love to welcome you up. And so we're gonna continue to worship together, and if there's something that you feel like God is stirring up in you this morning, I would love to invite you to come forward and get some prayer. I think that God wants to meet us, and he wants to continue to work in each and every one of us. And so that's what we're gonna keep doing this morning. Is there Anything you wanna add? So we're gonna keep worshiping. Thank you so much for being here this morning. you.